Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to our service this morning. Uh, we're just going to kick off with a brief announcement. Julie, come and talk to us about Alpha. Good morning, everyone. We're hoping to start Alpha on Tuesday, the 6th of June, for eight weeks in the evening. The last um, daytime Alphas have been well attended, um, and, but we've got one or two people who, who, who are thinking about coming. So we would love to have... It's going to be at the lovely home of, of Dick and Barbara Beasley. Um, it'll start with a, a meal, 7 till 9 o'clock. That's it, two hours, a meal... We'll watch the video, we'll discuss it. Is there anyone that God is laying on your heart to invite? You just never know if they'll come. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Well, good morning and welcome to our service today. To everybody gathered here in our building and to those of you who are joining us online this morning. So whether you're here for the very first time or whether you've been coming for decades, you are most welcome as we join together in worship. I pray that we'll all experience this morning the presence of God and hear his voice speaking to us as we spend time together in song and in prayer and in gathering around his word. Our call to worship is found in Psalm 8, which reads, Our Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, the great composer Franz Josef Haydn was present at the Vienna Music Hall where his oratorio, The Creation, was being performed. He was an old man by then and was confined to a wheelchair. And as the majestic work moved along, the audience was caught up with tremendous emotion. And when the passage, And There Was Light, was reached, the chorus and the orchestra burst forth with such power that the crowd could no longer restrain its enthusiasm and the assembly arose as one in spontaneous applause. Haydn struggled to his feet and motioned for silence. And with his hand pointed towards heaven, he said, no, no, not from me, but from thence comes all. And having given to glory, glory to God, his creator, he fell back to his chair exhausted. So our opening songs this morning echo those words of Psalm 8 and enable us to praise our God, our Creator, from whom thence comes all. We begin with from the highest of heights to the depths of the sea and then the splendor of the King. I invite you to stand or sit as you're able as we worship God together. 
legacies. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Loving and faithful God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your day, and for the opportunity to be able to join here in your presence this morning. As we meet here, we acknowledge and pray for those for whom gathering to worship you in any form is a dangerous and life-threatening activity. And such knowledge makes us understand what an immense privilege we have to gather here in worship and to spend time in your presence freely and without fear of persecution. Father, as we reflect on our opening psalm and the songs we've just sung, we humbly thank you. We thank you for your majesty, for your power, and for your love. What a majestic God that you are mindful of us. Father, we can't comprehend a love for us so deep and so committed that you should send your Son to die for us so that we might be saved and gain that precious and undeserved gift of eternal life with you. Loving Lord, will you make us a way through, where, through your Holy Spirit, that you are here among us. May this awareness lead us to approach this time of worship carefully and with hearts open to receive you. May the words we speak, the songs we sing, the thoughts we think, the joy or the sadness we feel, may all of these things be an expression of our worship that is pleasing to you. Living and faithful spirit, the God in whom we live and move and have our being, the God who is made known to us in Christ Jesus, will you bless us this morning as we wait on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 6 to 9, we find these words which describe the immeasurable depths of God's love. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so I invite you to stand again as we sing, Love of God revealed in wonder, love of God revealed in frailty through the gift of a servant king. Let's stand together. Thank you. 
you. Please be seated. You know, I don't know what your state of mind is as you come to worship today. I don't know whether you've had a great week or an awful week. I don't know if life is good and you come rejoicing or if life is incredibly hard right now and you find yourself seeking some affirmation of God's love for you and of your faith in him. So as part of our worship this morning, I've included a video which we'll watch together. It's a spoken word entitled, I Believe in Jesus, performed by the talented Christian poet David Bowden. We've used some of his material here in the past. And this very passionate narration brings vividly to life the very essence of our faith in our Lord and Saviour. It's a powerful piece, both in the way it is performed and in the way it is visually portrayed. And I hope this provides an opportunity for each of us to reflect on and reaffirm our own personal faith in Christ. Once the video is finished, I'll allow a few moments of quietness to enable each of us to spend some quietness and prayer before God, to bring him the thoughts and concerns of our hearts, and to allow him to speak to us personally. Let's watch the video together. I believe in Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, the prelude to Adam, the author of Eden, by all, in all, through all, Genesis reason, the husband of the newborn bride. I believe earth is one of his love's brightest beacons. I believe in Jesus, the infant king, ruler of the heavens, the universe's spring, and yet he took the frailest of forms, the weakest of things, for our mighty God was not too proud for the stable and trough of Bethlehem's sting. I believe in Jesus, the forgiver of men. Since man would not come to God, God came to them. Though we spit in his face through our arrogance and sin, holiness still became flesh so that it might be forgiven. I believe in Jesus, the perfection of the law, for creation was doomed by the requirements it scrolled. But he came not to abolish correction, but succeed where we did fall. And then he wrote a new law on our hearts. Love God and love all. I believe in Jesus, the horribly betrayed. Unknown by the world he himself had made handed over to death by a follower to whom some silver was paid, disowned by a friend three times in one day. I believe in Jesus, the ever-turning cheek. No sword in his hand, he took the way of the weak, redefined strength as beaten 
and meek when men struck him on his back. Only forgiveness did he speak. I believe in Jesus, the servant on the cross. To save the lives of the sinful, he considered his own life lost, endured the torture of men, whips and nails in his flesh were embossed, received the righteous wrath of God, the judge bearing our judgment, the ultimate cost. I believe in Jesus and that flesh in the tomb. You see, he bore the end of a normal human as he was born of a human's womb. He died a criminal's death and was buried in some other man's room. God, the Son, lay dead. The lifeless groom. But I still believe in Jesus and the body of his resurrection. For he redefined life in death's final rejection as he showed holes in hands to over 500 of his own selection so that humanity would not be able to raise an objection to the fact that Jesus Christ is God the Son and has made the ultimate connection. So I believe in Jesus and the commissioning of his ascension. For he ascended to God's right hand forever in intercession, leaving his truth in the hands of a few, those first to be called his Christians. His hands and feet are now the church, his boundless, reconciling expression. This is our heritage. They are our relatives. And this, this is our confession. We believe in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus, we thank you for walking through this sinful world. We thank you for the grace and mercy you extend to us. Help us to remember that the gift of Christ, Emmanuel, is our greatest treasure. Fill us with your joy and the peace of your spirit. Direct our hearts and minds towards you. Thank you for your reminder that in both seasons of celebration and in seasons of brokenness, you are with us, for you never leave us. Thank you for your daily powerful presence in our lives, that we can be assured your heart is towards us, your eyes are over us, and your ears are open to our prayers. Thank you that you surround us with your love as a shield and that we are safe in your care. We choose to press in close to you today and keep you first in our hearts and our lives. 
Without you, we would surely fail, but with you there is sure and certain hope. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for each day and each season which you grant to us. We look forward to all that you still have in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I ask you to stand again as we sing grace unmeasured, vast and free. And as we do so, the children will be heading to BRBK up in the sports hall. And then after we've sung, Brian is going to come and lead our reading and our prayers for the world. Let's stand together. join me as we pray. Father God, we come to praise you and worship you, our Father Creator, in gratitude for the privilege of living in the undeserved protection of your grace. Thank you that through Jesus we may come to you with the needs of others and ourselves, with our fears, anxieties and longings. For as the Apostle Peter said, 
to whom else shall we turn? Thank you for the return of spring, that the trees that once looked dead are resplendent in green leaves and new growth, and the soil that was cold and wet has been tilled and seeds are germinating. Thank you for the wheat that stood since the autumn and is now vigorously growing. Lord, we pray for all who have planted that they may be rewarded with a good harvest by your bountiful creation. But we ask for those facing the Italian floods to be protected and those farming where the deserts are overwhelming their productive land. May they find new fertile lands and guide us as we seek to change our habits to avert climatic change and damage. This weekend, a number of significant international conferences are convening. Lord, we know the folly of relying on human machinations, but we ask you to guide the delegates into schemes that will lead the peoples of the Middle East into harmony, peace, security and prosperity. For those meeting in Japan, hoping to discourage Russian aggression and restore order to the world economic system, we pray for guidance and success. For our own land, we covet leaders with a vision and courage to speak out against racism, nationalism and inequality. Lord, our heart is for spiritual revival, starting with ourselves to bring this change about. Within our fellowship, we seek your blessing for young people in this exam season, for those in pain or need or stressed. Lord, may we share Isaiah's understanding that as we wait upon you, we shall find our strength renewed and mount up with wings of eagles and we declare we are trusting thee Lord Jesus never let us fall we are trusting thee forever and for all Amen Let's hear the word of God as brought by Paul to the Corinthians and now brothers we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know that gr the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that through that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Her desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Brian, you've walked off with all my notes. <laughs> you've walked off. You always learn. You learn from your mistakes. So next time, I'll take my notes with me. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for leading our prayers and, and our readings so helpfully. Michael's going to come and speak to us in a moment on that passage that Brian has led to us. But before we do that, let's sing again. There is an everlasting kindness you lavished on us. Let's worship God together.
be pleased to know I've got my notes here with me. So. This morning I want to share about grace. Before I share, I want to lead us in prayer and bring greetings of grace. As many of the epistles, the letters in the New Testament begin with grace. So let us pray. Father, God of grace, this day we commit ourselves afresh to you and to the word of your grace, which can build us up and give us an inheritance among all those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, those who are set apart for God's holy use. And by the grace given me in Christ Jesus, Holy Spirit, please use my words to communicate your life-giving, gracious word today to these precious people. Grace, mercy and peace to us and be ours in abundance from and through the knowledge of God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, our Lord and Saviour, from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from that sevenfold spirit before his throne. Amen. Grace. The writer to the Hebrews says that it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. He writes, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Look for grace. Find grace. Grace is found throughout the scriptures, explicitly and implicitly, because our God is a God of grace, and he wants to communicate grace to us. Grace is something that is given. Grace is a gift, a gift from God to us. The Apostle Paul writes about the grace God has given me, the grace God gave me, the grace God, uh, the grace given to each of us, the grace given you, yes, you, in Christ Jesus. And he writes to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. God gives out grace. He dishes out grace to all who would receive. The scriptures speak of God as the God of all grace. He is the giver of sufficient grace. He is the giver of more grace. He is the giver of surpassing grace. He is the giver and pourer out of abundant grace, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He is the giver of the incomparable riches of his grace 
expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And Paul tells us grace is something that believers share together in Christ. As he puts it, all of you share in God's grace with me. So what is grace? How do we define it? Paul writes about the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And he says the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You see, grace and the gospel about Jesus go hand in hand. The gospel is a gospel of grace. Grace has been described using its letters as an acronym, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's free gift of salvation. His undeserved favour shown towards us in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't always know about grace as a believer. Let me tell you about how I encountered teaching about grace. I became a Christian aged 14, but it wasn't until I was 22 that I heard or that I realised I was hearing about grace. You see, when I became a believer, I thought I was a good person. I thought uh, that, that I, I, I thought that God was onto a good thing, having got me. You know, I thought I was. It was because I was good that He had saved me. I did wrong things, yes, but I thought I was okay. I mean, I wasn't too bad. I wasn't that bad. But it was when I started working with London City Mission as a voluntary evangelist that I was taken through some scripture teaching on Paul's letter to the Galatians by our leader, Andrew Smith. And as we went through this letter together as, as a group of people, it dawned on me that I was a sinner that I didn't deserve God's favour. That there was nothing good in me. I realised that God had truly and really saved me from the horrors of hell. That without Christ Jesus, I was facing a lost eternity. But it is by grace that I was saved. It wasn't by my good works, how good I can be. This could never be good enough for God. I had broken God's law. And still today, people up and down our land, in our community and in our churches, haven't heard or understood about God's grace shown to them in the person of Jesus Christ. On an Alpha course, we 
ran up in Northamptonshire, we had one lady who had been to her local parish church for many years, but discovered this good news about the grace of God. And she couldn't fathom. In fact, she was amazed and angry why she had been in church all these years and no one had explained to her about Jesus and about God's grace shown towards her through him. You know, more recently, um, it was just the other day, uh, during the Evangelism Day that Ben Fisher uh, organised in town, where well, a few of us went into town to uh, strike up conversation with folk. And um, I sat down next to this Satanist. I didn't know he was a Satanist at the time. Um, I offered to pray with him. I said, would you like prayer? And he said, no, I'm a Satanist. Um, and he'd been a Satanist for ten years. And I listened to him. I said, I'm interested to hear what you believe. And then I asked him, what do you think I believe as a Christian? He said to me, if you are good, you go to heaven. If you are bad, you go to hell. I said to him, do you know what? Would you be interested in knowing that's not what I believe at all? We've all done bad things. And then I spoke to him about Jesus and who Jesus is and about his response to Jesus. I said, you've pushed away the wrong gospel, the wrong good news, as it were. It's no good news at all, that what you've been told. And I asked him if he had a Bible. Yes, he had a Bible. I said to him, I want you to go and read that Bible and find out about this Jesus. And receive him into your life. And he said, okay, I'll go away and read it. You see, we need to each encounter Jesus for ourselves. Wherever we are, whatever we've done, whatever we're up to, it is all about him and about his grace shown towards us. I do not want anyone today listening to miss the grace of God. You know, Jonah, in the book of Jonah we read, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And Isaiah the prophet said, when grace is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. Even in the land of uprightness, they go on doing evil and do not regard the majesty of the Lord. The apostle Peter writes that concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. And Jesus, in his majesty, is revealed. And he reigns from the cross, the cross of grace. In fact, John begins his gospel, his good news, with these words about Jesus, the word of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. 
Luke tells us how this Jesus grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. The grace of God was on Jesus. In fact, it is through Jesus that the grace of God has been poured out upon us. God, through his prophet Zechariah, says, And I will pour out a spirit of grace. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him. Jesus is pierced to the cross by nails. He is pierced on the cross by spear and thorn. Here is grace poured out in Christ's blood, poured out for us, for you and for me, for the world. Those who look upon Jesus, who look upon grace offered in him, can receive that grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. John says, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If you want grace, if you want God's undeserved favour in your situation, it is found in Jesus. Look upon him. Turn to him. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. You're not an exception. You're included in the all people. The one who is pierced, the one who dies for us, the one who rose again from the grave. Grace points to Jesus. But we may we also be those who point to Jesus, who are grace carriers, grace bringers. May we be those who are witnesses of what God has done in our lives. Grace is our core belief. Not that we are good enough for God, but that we are bad enough to need Jesus. The scriptures speak of how we believe that it is through great, the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. We believe that all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness through the one man, Jesus Christ. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Christ empties himself of all status, all standing, and hangs upon a cross for you and for me. And he dies. He empties out even his life, even his precious, priceless blood 
He's emptied out on that dusty, muddy, trampled dirt for us. Because you are worth it. Because I am worth it. Because we are loved. And we preach this gospel. We share this gospel of the boundless riches of Christ by grace given to us. God's grace is a gift. It is only through Christ Jesus we received grace. And as we go through the scriptures, we see that we are saved by grace. It is by grace you have been saved. We believe by grace. We are chosen by grace. We are called by grace. We are justified by his grace. Justified, never sinned in the first place. We gain faith in God's promise in Christ by grace. In Christ we are not under the law, but under grace. We gain access through Christ by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We as Christ followers rely not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. God has called you and me to live in the grace of Christ, the grace of his gospel, his good news for you and for me and for the world through Christ. So what is your purpose in life? What is your point in life? What is your aim in life? This is what the Apostle Paul says. My only aim was to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What task? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. This is the task God has for you this week, to testify to all those that you meet and greet the good news of God's grace shown towards you through Christ Jesus. Let's heed that encouragement of Scripture when it comes to the grace of God. God has been generous to us in the sending of his Son. We're told, see that you also excel in that grace of giving. Of course, from the Scripture passage that we heard, there is that financial giving. But you can read that for yourself. It's fairly clear what is being said. But there is more giving to be done. Those that you live your lives amongst, your family, your friends, your neighbours, you, if you are a believer, if you have given your life to Christ, if you have received his riches into your life, you have so much more to give. Don't hold back. Don't keep it back from people who are desperate, who need to hear good news, who need to receive good news, who need grace. Don't withhold forgiveness from people. Don't withhold kindness, undeserved kindness. They don't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. Don't withhold that from people. 
Don't withhold love from people. You didn't deserve love. You thought you were a good person. You were just like me. Bad. Rebellious. It's only because of the grace of God that I've turned to him, that I heard him. It's not because of myself that I worked it out. God's grace leads you into repentance, into salvation. Be God's grace to those around you and about you in these days. Time is short. For them, for you, time is short. The days go by. And who knows whether you will see that person ever again. Who knows? But be that grace, that goodness, that undeserved love and kindness to them. And as I began with a greeting of grace from the epistle, so I end with a blessing of grace, again drawn from the epistles. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and with your spirit, brothers and sisters, all of you, God's people, precious people, who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ with minds that are alert and fully sober. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. To him be glory both now and forever. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, you then, my brothers and sisters, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen.
And so we end with the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. May God bless you as you go into this week. Amen.